This upcoming episode of the Goblin Stompcast is a little bit of a diversion from what we've been doing. So I know I got some voicemails, and I want to answer those, and I will in the next day or so, especially from you, Colin. But uh, in the meantime, I hope you guys will dig this conversation happening now. I can see you're really upset about this. I honestly think you ought to sit down calmly, take a stress pill, and think things over. So this is Howard at the Goblin Stompcast, goblinstomper.blogspot.com. And so today's podcast is not like other days' podcast in that I am not alone for a change. We're trying something a little new. Uh, my friend, Darren, whom I've known since I think 2008 now, so about 10 years, is here with me, and we're going to try doing the podcast sort of this way, hopefully on a weekly basis, if people want to hear that. So, uh, but today I think we're just going to talk about how we met through VTTs and talk about virtual tabletops a little bit. So, uh, welcome, Darren, to hanging out hey. with me again. Thanks, Howard. Great to be here. Here, <laughs> like, like we don't talk to each other ever, which. <laughs> ridiculous we talk to yeah, each sometimes other. more often than not it's been yeah. about a couple of months really since we've spent any good time together yeah well gaming in the summer often can be problematic we all have whacked out adult man schedules and uh you know there's the sun is out and we could be at the pool we're sleeping so <laughs> sometimes we opt for that um so i don't want to go too deep into the story yet about how we connected before we know maybe something about you. So who are you? Where do you live? What do you do? I, of course, know these things. So you're just telling me things I already know. But I do have one question when you're done that you may not realize that I don't know. So go ahead. You start talking a bit and, and say something about yourself. Yeah. Um, I live in uh, the middle of Wisconsin. Well, kind of eastern middle of Wisconsin. Um, and I think that's going to lead into this VTT conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, married, been married for a very long time. Uh, met my wife while I was in the Navy. And uh, we've been all over the country. And I came here to be near my family. Uh, from a from a gaming perspective, geez, I've been gaming since I was about 15 years old, 14 years old. What year was that? Do you, do you know? Um, probably 1982 time yeah. frame, yeah. something like that. Okay. Um, started D and D red box, uh, grew up in way up North in the upper peninsula of Michigan. I seem to have this penchant for living far away from anywhere civilized. It's very fancy how you said penchant there. Was... Yeah. I don't use that word often. So I thought, <laughs> I'm on a blog. I might as well try it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Use, use accents. It's good for games too so we get them going so i'm sorry i interrupted so, no no worries <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so uh i i kind of got into gaming because i really wasn't into anything else right so i wasn't the uh, jock i wasn't uh 
the smart kid. I, I didn't do a lot of stuff. And uh, this other kid in town, I never forget the guy, Tony Shooty. Um, Tony said, Hey, I got this red box thing. Why don't you come over and we'll, we'll poke around on it. And I said, cool. I went over there and I played, I think at that time it was just an elf because they didn't have any character classes or anything else. And it was just the two of us. We just made stuff up for the afternoon and I got hooked. Oh, I know how that goes. It's it, well, your first hit. That's it. That's all it takes. Yeah, exactly. One, one time. And, and you know, first time's free. They suck you in with the first time's free. Yeah. And then I, uh, you know, growing up in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing to do. Sure. So uh, I... Uh, when I say I re- short when like I, I know that, but I don't know that. So I lived in Philadelphia. So go ahead. Yeah. So when I graduated, I thought, well, I'll just join the military. So... Right. Navy. Uh, Navy. Yeah. I, uh, I was stationed in Hawaii. It was my first duty station after I got out of boot camp. That's rough. Well, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard. Yeah. Uh, but I ran into a couple of guys on the ship that played and it became one of those Saturday things. Let's go over to, you know, whoever's house right. um, and play until the coffee ran out or we just passed out one or the other. I hear a lot of stories of guys who gamed in the military. Is it a very common? Was it a very common pastime then? I don't know what it's like now and maybe you don't either. Um, I would say that probably more common then than it is now. Huh. Um, there were probably, I don't know, a dozen of us that, that I knew that gamed on my first ship and we only had a couple hundred people. So okay. a good five, 10%. So that, yeah, I feel like in 1982, any population or whatever year. Yeah. No, not 82. Uh, you would have been, it would have been, been the 86, late 80s. 87. Yeah. yeah. So even then, yeah. To find 5% of any population would, I think be unusual. So I didn't I'm sure the game players. really wasn't much back then, right? I mean, well, first edition, first, ed- uh, no, second edition had probably hit by 87. I don't know. I'd have to look, I'm not going to start looking things up, but yeah. we, I mean, we didn't really move into second edition. We stayed with first forever for a very long time. And right. even later on in the nineties, when I was looking for games, I was also always looking for first edition games. Yeah, we just had this conversation on last Saturday in my uh, my face to face. We talked about uh, Thaco, and somebody right. was arguing that Thaco was first edition, and I said no, second Thaco edition. wasn't first edition. It actually second. appears, I believe, in the back of the DMG on a table in first edition, um, but it 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 fully makes its appearance in second edition. I've I've done the research on that. At <laughs> I'm sure you have some point for the blog, or somebody corrected my dumbass or something. So I think I remember that as being the situation. Maybe I'm wrong now too. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. Somebody will tell us. <laughs> you got that right. That no, like, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I know who it'll be. I already, yeah, a Larry, follow me or die. He, uh, he's great. He's super and he knows stuff. He taught me last week that the reason we have uh, alignment language was because of chain mail, essentially because of games that uh, required like large battalions of people to move and communicate. And so that was essentially like the black speech of orcs or whatever used to communicate troop movement, which makes sense, I guess has no place in later games, I think. But anyway, yeah, kind of if like we make a mistake, walker, wind talkers of uh, world war one and world war two. Right? Yeah. But, it, but, but rest assured, if we make some sort of mistake here, uh, we will quickly be uh, corrected or adjusted perhaps two or three ways. So, 
but you can't screw up yourself. So you went to the Navy, you were playing more there. And then after you got out of the Navy, what's next? Yeah. So, uh, my sister lived in this town or near this town where I'm living now. And I wanted to be by her cause we never had any kids. Right. Right. Um, cause I was too busy, you know, killing orcs. Right. And, uh, when I got here, I started looking, I looked at the, the local game stores there really wasn't anybody playing D and D at, you know, I retired in 2006. I mean, magic, the gathering was the thing that people oh, did. Okay. So nobody was role playing anymore. They were all Card. collecting massive boxes of million dollars worth of cards. Yeah. And that just wasn't what I was into. No, I might've bought one pack of magic cards just out of like some sort of weird, sick curiosity, but I never played. Yeah. So I was looking for something and couldn't find anything. So I started playing world of Warcraft uh, that didn't last long. Mm. And, uh, it was 2000. Yeah. 2008. Um, I told my wife, I'm going to go to Gen Con this year. I've never been, uh, it's an opportunity for me to get down there for a couple of days. I'm not going to immerse myself. I'm just going to go walk the floor, you know, see some stuff, maybe pick up a couple of games. Something solo is what I was looking for. Right. So I could play D and D at home by myself, which is yeah. kind of lame, Oh, but I know I I know what that pathetic hamster in your head sounds like because I've heard him talk to me. So, yeah. So uh, while I was walking around the convention floor, I found this fantasy grounds thing, um, and I was talking with the guy, and I, I gave him my sob story about, oh my god, I I'm in the middle of nowhere and I can't find sure a game, and he's like, dude, you got to try this, and he sold me uh, the Castles and Crusades rule set. Right. and fantasy grounds cool. and you know i'm a introvert so i brought it home and i loaded it on my computer and i really didn't do much with it for a while mm. and then i went out on the, the fg board and started seeing games available and i right. was like wow but yeah i'll put it out there right and there weren't many back then it. there were not oh, a God, ton no. of games no yeah um, and virtually none in Castles and Crusades, which was the rule set I had. Yeah. Everybody was playing probably at that time 4E, right? Mm, I think Pathfinder was what was oh, was, yeah. was big. That's really, I think, what set Fantasy Grounds off was Pathfinder and maybe Savage Worlds initially. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but even then, I wasn't interested in playing the new, quote-unquote, new versions of D&D. Sure. Uh, you know, I was stuck in 1E, yep. 2E. And Castles and, and Crusades is close. So Yeah, that was the closest I could get. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. um, and then for, I don't know how it worked out. Did you contact me that I contacted Oh, my you? God, dude. Ten years? I can't remember last week. I can't believe you're asking me to remember ten years ago. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'll, uh, well, let's, I'll do this. Let's flip it. And, you know, I haven't really people sort of know about me on the podcast you know i live in philadelphia if they're paying attention they know i'm a pawnbroker they don't know that i'm a dad they don't know that i live with uh, my girlfriend and so that's but before i even go there i have a question that you may not know that i don't know that i want to know and i i this i thought about this this week while i was thinking about this podcast all this time i know you i have no idea or you and I, you've probably told me and i've forgotten what rank was your final, was your retirement rank? Oh, good question. Yeah, I was a, a E7, which was a chief petty officer. 
So in the hierarchy of being on a war, uh, on a ship, and I don't know if you were on a battleship or I forget. I, I know, but I don't know. You weren't on a submarine. Were you on a submarine? No, God, no. No, no you were on a submariner. I found submarines. Right. Uh, okay. So you were on a like a radar ship, a sonar ship, yeah. or whatever. Uh, so. Where is that? And like, if they, you know, who's the lowest guy? And obviously, the captain, notwithstanding an admiral, is the highest guy on the ship. So, where are you in that E seven? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Um, okay. You know that the way it works is the enlisted ranks go from E one through E nine, essentially. Um, so I was seven, which is relatively decent. Right. Uh, and then the officer ranks go from O one to uh, I don't know O a million. Huh, okay. Uh, so as a chief, I was below every single O, but you know, yeah. So, so if there's a, a like, let's say there's an army counterpart to that rank, do you know what that is? What is that? No, I haven't got a clue. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys don't communicate. You're like, oh, army. I'm not talking yeah, about that. I don't know, you know what I want. I wouldn't want to. The talk Navy's about all jacked up. Yeah, well, with its ranks, you know, you know sure. master sergeant, gunnery sergeant, shit. I don't know. It seems formal. Out though. Yeah. That place seems formal. Like there are military branches that seem less formal than others. Like army just seems so informal and Navy and air force seem like very formal people. Oh no. But I mean, no, I would say the Marines and the army are more formal than really? the other. Wow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um, so army is a sergeant first class. Is what that's the, that's the, that's, that's the, comparison. Oh, you look that up. You're faced with the fingers. Um, so, so those things about me uh, that people may know or not know at this point. And I lived in Texas for a long time. I'm not going to give my whole life story, but I moved back to Philadelphia. And it, essentially at that point when I moved, I was sort of out of touch with tabletop gaming in real life. And, and there had been moments, brief moments of, of playing with a few people, but nothing ongoing for extended periods of time. And my friend Dennis from Texas, who you know, who we play with on VTT. But so we had for a long time tried to figure out, well, how can we leverage the power of the internet to help us connect and play, even if it's just like you run something and I play or vice versa. And this is in the, I'm going to say this is in the early, this is in the late 90s, even early 2000s. And, and a lot of time passes. Until 2007 or 2008, when everything catches up and I find map tools, which I don't know how I stumbled across it. I don't know what the search term was, but I looked it up and I saw, oh my God, people are playing D&D online. This is great. Um, and I tried it. It was a free download. It was free to get on board with. And I found somebody to play with. And the first thing I realized, it was so hard to use the software that the yeah. learning curve was obscene and you know maybe it's not maybe it just was a couple of things i had to learn i didn't want to learn them maybe it was because it didn't have a great graphical user interface so i it, it made it a little more hands-on and i just wasn't interested in putting in the time for that something really turned me off but it didn't stop me from looking at that point so of course your next search term is what software is like map tools and fancy grounds came up and that had to be 2008 because I pretty quickly invested the money in that software. And for the same reason as you, I looked into castles and crusades as the rule set, which I bought pretty quickly. And 
Dennis spent the money and bought his. And now, so we had each other. And we tested it out a few times and we realized, oh, this is good, but we need another person or two or three because we can. And I think back in those days, it was purely Skype, right? Yep. There was nothing else to use. I don't think if there was, there might have been early. I don't want to say TeamSpeak wasn't out, but I don't remember it being popular or available. So, um, yeah, we just, I think we must have put the ad up. That's what I think. Yeah. And you I, there's must no way have, I would have done yeah. anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so you must have responded to the ad and not far or long after you, we found Rich, I think was the next guy on board. So, you know, three people and a DM. And I think I ran initially, I think, for a while. Yeah. And Dennis yeah. might have run after that. And, and we just rotated, I think, as we became interested in playing from the player's side of the virtual tabletop that we quickly, you'd be playing and be like, wow, I, I want to do the DMing stuff. Like it seemed fun. All these years later, it is not as fun to be the DM because you do have to control a fair amount of stuff happening that at the table, you, you don't have to control as much. Right. Yeah. You do have to be fairly busy yeah. as the DM. Yeah, and there's not a lot of pre-prepared stuff. I mean, I guess now with 5e, there is some pre-prepared stuff, but I'm still playing 1e, and there's not a lot of prepared stuff. Um, but we'll we'll talk more about the specific the specifics so, of the software. Yeah, go ahead. So between, between Face to Face with Dennis and VTT, did you ever dabble in play-by-post or play-by-email? I'm going to tell you how old I am, man. I am so freaking old that I responded to an ad in a dragon magazine and did play by mail oh nice so i don't remember the specific game i played in and i don't remember how much of my lunch money i sent those people <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i i got a mail or two and it, it was ridiculous it was ridiculous that anyone would try to run a game that way um i think i looked into play by post at one point and even may have done a bit of it I'm sure I have, but I quickly got incredibly bored with that. Um, as you know, we have incorporated using email, um, I think, pretty well as a side note to the virtual tabletop actual play that we do. Yeah, so obviously, that, that back works. and forth in email to take care yeah. of some of the mundane crap. Mundane seems to work for us. or even like interesting role play sessions can can and have happened that way. Um, they're slower, obviously, um, but it it keeps interest in what's going on throughout the week until you get to, or throughout the two weeks until you get to the next session. So I think we've incorporated, but actually playing a full game through email that I've never done. Have you played by post or played by email full game? Not for long. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't think I could sustain interest in something. Like yeah, that. I think for me that the frequency of the interactions was never enough. You know, I'd right. post something and wait for days for somebody else to jump in and post something. And I was like, come on. Yeah. No, Apparently I, I just have no life. I mean. I agree. So, uh, all right. So now we sort of know where we, we come at Fantasy Grounds from. Um, I know there's Roll20. Have you played any Roll20? Um, I tried it a couple of times. As a player or as a DM? Uh, both. Okay. Um, I will say that I think 
from my perspective, Fantasy Grounds ruined, ruined me for other VTTs. Ooh, yeah. Um, I agree. For me, it's just easy. And it and maybe it's easy because I first started with it. It's kind of like that whole PC versus Mac thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been using a PC forever. I tried a Mac. I couldn't get into it. So right. I got rid of it. Yeah. I I, I sort of agree in, in the sense I play in a pretty regular Roll20 game of uh, BX uh, and re- more recently Axe, Adventure of Conqueror King. And... A lot of the guys I know use Roll20. They use it because it's free. Uh, although some of them have paid money, I guess, to be um, in that community and have access to the stuff that's available through it. But uh, my regular games, I think, are all guys who are, are using it as a free tool. And I think it just relies on the players having access to more uh, PDF-style or book-style data at home. Uh, it's fine. I mean, I... I don't think you can compare the two interfaces that are not comparable in any way, shape, or form. They, they, you could say, well, they both allow you to use maps or tokens or whatever. But combat is a much easier to manage, I think, uh, in Fantasy Grounds without a doubt using the, you know, the combat tracker module. Sure, especially if you're using one of the modern ones, 5e. Yeah. Even Castles and Crusades yep. is, is very, very good. Yep. And it's easier to keep my story in line and organized. I will say that um, I think that I could come to a Roll20 table with some PDFs and some brief things written up and then just play more like quick and freestyle, which I think is what some of the guys like. With Fantasy Grounds, I definitely have felt the need to do a bit more prep work. But I also find that, a, a, you know, an ounce of prep is worth three times when the game end in Fantasy Grounds. So you can really, uh, once you have, say, an encounter built, you can really flip it around a hundred different ways, but once it's built, it's easy to drag into the combat tracker and then fool with. So if you've attacked somebody with five goblins and then later on, sometimes you want to just pop three, you can, you can quickly adjust that encounter um, to suit your needs. So, yeah, you know, I I think you've seen my setup for my, my actual face to face game. I found people that actually want to come to my house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, to be quite honest, I'm using fantasy grounds in my in person and I'm putting a laptop with fantasy grounds on it up on the screen and I'm controlling it from the DM side. Yeah, so, that's awesome. So you can pull the maps and the tokens and move people absolutely. around. And, now combat isn't happening that way. We're still rolling dice. Well, that's like fine. You need that's, to do yeah. at a table. But you get a nice visual that yep. you wouldn't get otherwise. And it's easier to keep track of certain things from your end, like you know, you're not doing combat that way, so you're not taking care of people's hit points that way. But you can keep your story all online. You can keep your encounters online and have them. And yeah. again, just moving tokens on a big screen. That I, I would love to be able to do that in a, in a, a, a you know face to face game. Which I played in one not too long ago. I ran one here. My place is a bit too small for it. And and like you, I think the only way I would get a face to face game going is if I could get people to come to me. Because I feel like I would be awful at trying to get to other people. <laughs> I need you to come to me. I will feed you, you know, but you have to come to me because I, yeah. I don't have the energy to go to you. I think that's why they come here is because I feed them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something, obviously, you know, we both have a, a deep love of cooking and food, which I'm sure at some point will play a part in uh, in this 
podcast if it turns into a series of any kind. Um, all right, so we, we did jot down some things, and there's a list here under Virtual Tabletop. So I'm going to pick through it. I may not pick through it in order. And I just, just answer the questions as honestly as you feel is appropriate. <laughs> so uh, would you rather DM from the table with paper or from the computer? That's a good question that you put down there. What, what, what's I mean, your that is a probably bigger discussion than just VTT. Oh, that's true. Um, you know, personally, uh, I'd rather DM face-to-face. -face. Right. Well, I think I'd uh, rather play face-to-face -face in general. I mean, given yeah, given uh, options. Where I, I struggle a little bit is, um, you know, DMs that are using the computer to run their game. And the players are also using technology. Do you think it's, it's I a think distraction? It, it, yeah, it oh, definitely. No, I agree. I think if you're playing at the table, I, well, okay, so I would like to preface this by saying that uh, sometimes I will use my iPad to keep, like I was running Labyrinth Lord and I had both the uh, Labyrinth Lord and the Advanced Labyrinth Lord rules available to me through the iPad. But um, I, yeah, I try to run a tech-free table if I can. I mean, you know, you can't tell people to turn their phone off. I think that's much. Be I wouldn't want to turn my phone off. It could be an emergency, you know, that's why I have the phone. Yeah, and I use tech every game that I play here at home um, because I'm using FG as that right. tool. Right. Uh, but you're using it to add to the immersiveness. You're putting that map up and you're letting them see things that they would have to just imagine or use theater of the mind for. So, but uh, we're talking about, you know, people are at the table and they're just on their phone doing whatever. I mean, I understand that people may be, I don't know what else. What would a person do playing, be on their phone? What would? I mean, looking at player's handbook stuff, I, I, I don't know. can't imagine anything else. I mean, if you're coming to a really good words with friends game going. Uh, yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, I, you know, did you ever, uh, I don't think I ever went to a game... I don't want to say unprepared because certainly I've gone to a game with dice and a pencil, but because maybe I didn't have the books, but I think if I have the books, I come prepared with the books that I need to reference. And if I don't have the books, I just assume someone will have a book I can reference if I need to. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, the virtual tabletop though, it did a lot. I mean, look, we've been friends for 10, 10 years, 10 years because of a piece of software. That's a it's pretty, pretty incredible to think about that. Yeah. That is a weird, that's a weird thing to consider that you, you know, you, you met someone, not that you met someone online, because I think that's become pretty common. If you ask a couple how they met and they're like, Oh, we were on, I don't know, match.com. We met. Oh, okay. You know, it's been kind of normalized, but for people to, have friendships that have blossom. I think that's, it's common, but not as talked about as like romantic relationships. Well, I, let's be perfectly honest. I haven't had a friend for 10 years in my life. Right. And, uh, oh, you mean over the course of your life, you've never had someone be friends with you for 10 years in a row? 10 years, right. Because, you know, in the military, you're moving every 
two, three years. Yeah, but you, you don't maintain with any of those people? Sometimes, but not in the level we have. I mean, it's not like we're talking every week or every two weeks or shooting each other emails. I might talk to some of those guys once a year. Right. Um, sure, I guess so because there's it, no common activity going on. Right. Whereas I mean, we have this common activity. Consider that, yeah. you know, a relationship that we built online as friends playing a VTT has been the longest lasting friendship with the exception of my wife, obviously Okay. Um, that I've had in my entire life. Right. That's uh, that's kicking me in the feels a little bit. That's getting a little choked up. Uh, no, it is. It's great. I mean, I, you know, if someone asked me who my three best friends are, you're there. I don't want to rate you in those three, <laughs> but, but you're there. You, you made the cut. I mean, uh, if we're not, like, if we don't do the cop-out thing and add our, you know, our significant, significant others. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dennis. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It, it is amazing. I know Dennis going on 30 years, a little over 30 years now. And, and I can't say I've had a friend in my adult life as long um, whom I've shared this sort of interest with, who, you know, on the regular, this that we do something. Mm -hmm. together like this and that's important like the virtual one of the key features and factors of that virtual tabletop is it really has managed to al allow friendships that were made at the table to continue when that table grows up and moves away sure which is going to well, i would again. say our friendship is beyond the table i mean yeah oh uh, yeah absolutely I mean, if something happened to you or something happened to me or Dennis, you know, we're, we're there. It's not mm -hmm. just a, you know, we're not just there in case there's too many orcs and you can't kill them all. We're right. You know, we're there for that, but we're also, yeah, we're actual friends. We're not just gaming friends, which I think uh, is its own, that's its own podcast, right? We can mark that one down. Yeah, absolutely. Gaming friends versus real friends. That's a thing. Um, I, your first little bullet point is interesting is gaming as immersive online as in person i guess let's to talk about what immersive means yeah for me i think the distractions are the things you don't know right when when you're in a vtt right you're not seeing what these other people that you're talking to or in not, the crazy case that you're just doing text only well, um, no, there's video. So uh, the Thursday night game, we do video. We do video in Roll20 because it handles it well. And audio is handled through Discord like we're doing because it handles it well. Yeah, I've not – I mean, we've tried it once or twice with, yeah. the, with the video thing. I just – you just I, don't know. You know, what's yeah. on the TV? Are they watching a football game in the background? No, absolutely. They, you know, surfing Twitter. Mm -hmm. You guys know when I'm on the computer because my keyboard is one of those mechanical crazy loud things that yeah, you yeah, can yeah. hear across the moon. Yeah, mechanical keyboard. Uh, but I don't. I do. Yeah, I guess that is a little distracting. It's not aggressively distracting. Um, so, but when you say immersive, you're talking about like being in that role play moment. Right. Is that okay? Uh, uh, you know, it's a good point. I I would say that there have been moments in VTT, in Fantasy Grounds, where we're playing and we're in the thick of something and there's a map up and we see the tokens and we are focused 
and you mm-hmm. can tell and you can tell that we're focused for any number of reasons and I still heard you clickety clacking in the background but um but I think those moments are far apart and fewer in between uh than than can happen at a well played table right because I think that a good dm and I'm not classifying myself at all here. So I'm not, I don't mean me. I just mean any good DM. He's got the attention of the group. Uh, and you can feel that. And that's a there, there is a physical connection, even though we're not sitting in each other's laps, obviously. There's a physical connection when things are going heavily, combat or role play or whatever. Um, and we break out of it. We, we come out of it and then we're doing character maintenance or we're talking about which place to order pizza from or whatever. But I think the opportunity to connect is uh, more available in, in real life at the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you lose so much online. You lose, you lose eye contact, body language. You lose, you know, all that liminal stuff that you pick up on when you're in person, you lose all of that. Uh, VTT, not all of it, but a lot of it. Yeah, you do. I mean, there's definitely you can feel the screen as a wall between you and the other players a little bit, and yeah, and um, technology gets in the way, right? Skype drops out or Discord doesn't. Yeah. Work. Oh, oh, that's its own freaking hour rant, <laughs> right? When the shit's just not working, when yep. nobody can hear anybody else, or there's just a, somebody's got their speakers too close to their headset or their mic and you got feedback or yeah. one guy, you can hear everybody, but one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is it's almost never VTT related. It's not related to the actual. No, it's related software. to the, it's yeah. To all the other crap yeah, you have to the extraneous have. software to, to give us that sort of, well, but that's the software that we need. Yeah, that's the glue that binds it all together. Right. Because if you right. had to do it just with text and chat, you know, in a chat box, you would have no, you would totally not be involved. No. It just wouldn't be. This technology required secondary technology in order to be really what it what it is and what it could be. I mean... How many I, people do you think are, are playing it like we play it? A lot. A lot. So um, let me run down some stuff here, which uh, hopefully these guys are maybe listening. I don't know. So... Jason Hobbs definitely plays like in 400 games a week in between his 87 podcasts. And he's, I think he's doing most of his role playing online. Um, the guys that I play with, you know, they're playing in other games. Thursday night isn't the only game for a lot of those guys. Uh, and they're deeply invested in playing in a virtual tabletop. Uh, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of podcasters that are playing virtual tabletop. Um, I think that finding fantasy grounds guys and it's almost like like yet again, there are sort of tribes. Although I would like to say I'm not in either tribe. I'm not a roll twenty guy. I'm not a fantasy grounds guy per se. I guess if I'm up against the wall with it, fantasy grounds just has this for the win. It's just so much nicer to be in environment-wise. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys our age specifically. I mean, this is, we are two, I am 48, you are 
50? 50. Okay, you are 50. So we are really, I would say we are the one and a half generation, right? I think there was some older guys who came before us and were the first players of um, like chain mail and war games and, you know, the real hardcore old school grogs mm-hmm. who are maybe a decade older than us. I don't think there's too many people older than that playing. And then we are this sort of weird one and a half group, right? And there's a lot of us. If you listen to these anchor casts, like where I'm publishing, almost all of them are guys essentially in their mid to late thirties to fifties and slightly beyond uh, who are doing podcasts. They are, they are short. They are solo. Um, I mean, Jason has a few, but he also has, you know, Hobbs and Friends where he does what essentially we're sort of doing now, which is he he talks to people, I guess, who are in the industry. Um, this podcast, I wanted to really focus more on you and I and process and system and, and technology and just talk about all the ways in which gaming are kind of impacting us at this point because we we are definitively and, and you could disagree with me maybe but I think we're definitively different gamers than we were in 1983. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I just reflect on the the in-person games that I'm involved in and the range of people that I've got in my games and the way that they tend to role play. I mean, we talked about this the other day. Uh-huh. The, the difference between the story and the crunch. Mm-hmm. And where people seem to be now um, in comparison. And uh, I can guarantee I'm a much different gamer than I was even 10 years ago when we first started playing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 it's been some of this technology has been what has really adjusted who I am and, and how I game, who I am as a gamer, you know, who I am as a role player and how I game. Uh, my Thursday night game, that, that BX game, it's brutal. There's a lot of death in that game, you know, and it's quick and it's fast paced and there's not a lot of crunch. It's, it's very light on crunch. And I, the story is happening because we are role-playing the story, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have a perspective. Guys our age have a way of gaming that newer gamers, 5e gamers, and just guys who come to the table now, they they're expecting DMs to be these you know mystical weavers of magical epic tales, which they can be, but is not necessarily a shared history for all of us. You know, OSR gaming was not originally really all that much about story, in the sense that there wasn't a lot of prepped story. You know, when when the first modules came out, I remember buying like against the giants and um, it was just maps and rooms filled with stuff. There was a little story there, but for the most yeah, part, almost it hex, was, hex crawly or yeah, dungeon it was, crawl. Yeah, it was very sandboxy. It was very hex crawl. Um, and we were, you know, raised that way. Right. So that's part of our gamer DNA. Sure. There wasn't much back then. Right. Mm-mm. I mean, you had some modules, but they cost money that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. So most of the stuff that we did was homebrew. Um, hmm. That's that's interesting. It's a slightly. I think I did more modules initially, initially, like in the first year or two of gaming. I remember 
you know, Redbox, really, really not Redbox, really just having the basic, the Moldvay basic, and then uh, Expert. And I remember playing Isle of Dread was the, might have been the first module I played. I'm not sure if it was that or Against the Giants. Yeah, I think that's where my gaming education is lacking because I never played any of those classic models. Oh. You know, I got into an amazing game with a group of guys just when I was in Hawaii, and we yeah. spent two years in the head of Randy. Um, he had this huge desk with the big glass top with a map that he drew Sweet. underneath it. Yeah. And we just went over there and gamed out of his brain for ever. He never had a module. He never had anything. Pulled out the DMG, the monster manual, and, and we went where we wanted, and he came up with some stuff. Right. Well, that is definitely an awesome way to do it. I mean, I we did it that way, but I think initially, I, I my buddy Sean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did Isle of Dread, and then I remember playing in Village of Hamlet. I remember playing in Keep on the Borderlands. I remember playing in Against the Giants. I remember that leading into, um, you know, D1, D2, D3, you know, Queen of the Spider, Queen of the Demon Web, the crazy love stuff. So Kind of interesting, since I've gotten into 5e, I've started kind of looking at some of those pre-gens. I mean, we played um, Storm King's Thunder for a little bit, mm -hmm. um, which is sandboxy in its own kind of way. Little. Uh, And then, you know, with this group that I'm playing in person, there were a lot of people that hadn't very much experience um, so I actually grabbed Yawning Portal and I ran him through Sunless Citadel, which apparently is this massively classic module that everybody's played. And Meepo is like this cult god. Yeah, but, of, but you didn't uh, know creature. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Right. So here I am running this module and uh, talking to people, and they're like, "Oh, what'd you do with Meepo? How'd you role play him?" And everybody's role played Meepo. Dude, Meeple was like a minor character in my game. <laughs> right. <killed> quick. <laughs> so Calcrix, he's. Calcrix is the big one, the white, the little white dragon wormling. Mm-hmm. They saved him, and they're trying to bring him back, and there's all kinds of craziness. But um, that's really my experience with the modules is more recent than mm. old school. Yeah, I mean, I was weaned on those modules, and I think that they were we just played them very, I don't know, loosely, a, loosely, but lin- with a certain linearness. So, um, but virtual tabletop is. It's good for that. I think, you know, that's the real problem is you can't get that with, in other words, I can play in 1E in Fantasy Grounds, but but I can't load up against the Giants. I mean, I, I could physically take copy. I could put the data in. I could do the work. I could transcribe mm-hmm. the whole thing, but I'm not going to do that, man. I mean, it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah, I'm just not going to do that, you know. Um, I don't know. I it's it, that is the one thing about the virtual tabletop is um, you can wing it if you've prepped some things, but you can't wing it forever. At some point, you do have to stop and do some work. Uh, you have to input some data, or there's no data there to play with, and and right. just winging it is difficult, not impossible. But you can make it easier on yourself. There's lots of little tricks and ways to do that. And I assume D20 has similar things that you can do to make things happen very quickly. Um, but, dot, you know, virtual tabletop, I don't know what to... 
it's it changed it definitely changed uh, my my hobby life you know i just oh for sure i mean it gives me you know something to look forward to yeah now you're playing in a couple of live games i've played in some live games at the same time i've VTT'd. I, I think it's great. It lets you drop in and out of games very quickly, almost too quickly in the sense that um, sometimes, you know, people join up to play and then for whatever reason, just not working for them or their life is just in the way. And even though you thought they were going to be responsible adults, they just disappear. And that's and very we, easy. We saw that a lot with our group, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been me, you and Dennis. Um, and Rich. Rich And stayed. Rich a lot. Yeah. Um, but everybody else in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah, that would happen. Um, I, you know, I can Happens understand in person it too, I suppose, but I guess not as much. I don't think as much. It, I don't have statistical data to support my theory. I, <laughs> I, I just think that it doesn't happen as much. I think, you know, a new guy joins the game and then, you know, you've made a new friend, I guess. I don't know. I, I remember it being a lot like that. Look, I remember, Gaming with guys I did not get along with, you know. Um, at the table? Or at VTT? the table. At the table as a kid, you know. And VTT definitely makes it easier to not invite someone to the game, I guess. Like if you're, if everybody else agrees that person X shouldn't be involved, we can just change the server and boom, we're, we're somewhere else and they can't get to us, you know. So I guess it's got the same sort of internet characteristics in the sense that you could kick or block people um you know i don't know that that's a good feature if that's a feature i guess it's a feature i don't know if it's a good or bad feature well it is what it is um i mean the the, it's just that they're constantly working on it that's been really i think the thing that's kept us going is that the the software has evolved as well. Yeah, it's definitely changed significantly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in the last even couple of years. Five um, E, you know, really yeah, was a game changer for Fantasy Grounds, without a doubt. Five E to my to my sort of sadness, melancholy self has has really gone a long way to revive the hobby, and even to get guys that I want to talk to involved in connecting with one another, even if Mm -hmm. only to share our displeasure and distaste for fifth edition, (laughs) which I know you play, you know, and I get that's what people want to play. And it's not, that's why I play it because people want to play it. Yeah. You know, I brought up, Hey, let's try CNC. I've got the books and everybody's like, uh, yeah. uh, It's hard to convert backwards. It's like saying to somebody, Dude, just trust me. Black and white television on a big box is the way to get. Watch it this way. You'll never want to watch it another way again. It's That's what it's like saying (laughs) somebody. Listen, man, silent movies are where it's at. We got to watch some silent movies. You just got to pretend you can hear them. It's awesome. Seriously, you'll never never go back to a real PC once you've used a TRS-80. Right. Right. Let me just get you into this TI ninety nine four A, and and you take this you take this cassette recorder storage device for a spin, and man, it will change your life. Yep. Yeah, 
No, it is. It's like that is what it's like. It's yeah. not like I, you know, people are like, no, it's just another flavor. It's like saying to somebody, well, you've had a baked potato. Let me show you, you know, palm fried or whatever. But it's not like food. It's not delicious. You know, you put somebody in a BX game from 5e and they're dead in four minutes. And you're like, okay, just pull out that other character you made. And they're like, but I spent an hour. Hours. Yeah. My backstory. Thinking about his background. And you're like, yeah, but it took you five minutes to build the characters, build another one. And they're like, no, you don't understand. I'm so connected already to this guy. This game sucks. You know, I feel like that's what happens a lot to 5e gamers. Uh, we can have a whole show on why I hate 5e. That's, you know, <laughs> which I guess hates a strong word. Why I won't play 5e. Why it's not. Yeah, why life. you prefer to play. Well, there, there is a blog post if someone wants to dig on Goblin Stomper that is, you know, why 5e is not for me or whatever. There, there's a whole list of reasons there. I'll If I do something even remotely resembling show notes for this, which may or may not happen on the blog. I'll link to that old article. I don't want to treat this podcast too seriously. Um, for folks who don't know, we're just going to do these recordings and we're not going to edit them at all. And we're just going to drop them into AnchorCast and uh, they're going to run about about an hour. About now, we're running. By the way, we've uh, been talking for a while. It's been a nice conversation. I always enjoy talking to you, Darren. And we've been wrapping for about 49 minutes now. Wow. Which it goes fast. Because we like each other's company. Uh, virtually and not yeah, virtually. Yeah, we should tell people we've met up in, in the real world. We have actually shaken hands, hugged, probably, I'm sure. And yeah. uh, had several meals at sort of a little mini con that we put together once and we'll put together again. Really, I'd like to come visit you, to be honest. I, I mean, I know you want to get to Philadelphia, which for the life of me, I can't figure out why. But... Uh, <laughs> I would much like to come to the cheese world and take a tour of the meat factory. And Doors always open. I know, I know, I know. It's really, it's me, it's not you. It's Well, it's just tough. Yeah. You know? I think that's where VTT helps, right? Definitely. It, it keeps us going. It's tough to, to fly across country or drive across country. I am very envious of the con guys. You know, they, they go away for five days. They plan to go to like North Texas Con, or, you know, North Texas RPG, or they go to Gen Con or whatever. I, I don't even go to the cons that are like in my backyard. Right. Well, Gary Con's an hour away and I don't go. Right. What is that? What's wrong with us? You just oh, there's care. people there. I mean. I guess. I don't know. I mean, on you know, people I, I'm sort of friendly with on Twitter or whatever who are local. They're always like, why you didn't come or are you coming? Who's coming? Let's take a, let's meet up. Let's hang out. So there's people for me to meet. Uh, I mean, and hang out with, uh, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not Matt Mercer, right? I'm not going to be, not going to be on stage, not going to be bombarded by people. I'm not even casually internet famous like Jason Hobbs. I'm just like, not, you know, yeah, my internet presence is about three. Yeah, I don't know what mine is. Heads, I have no that's idea. That's about it. I, you know, I yeah, I'm I'm maybe if you're a three, I'm a five. I'm not. I'm not yeah. anybody. Trust We're, me, there's not much out there for me. No, I mean, you know, it's I like doing the blog. You know, I like the interactivity, not just on the site itself, but I share it out through Twitter and through Facebook. Those Goblin Stomper accounts and. 
don't know. It's fun to talk about. It gives me something to do. It keeps me a little distracted during the day. Just enough to, like, not remind me how crappy my life is. And I know my life is not crappy. But, you know, you're at work. And, and a little distraction throughout your day is good. I mean, I don't get outside all that much. Yeah, neither do day. I. Yeah. We're sort of chambered. So if we can just get on email and, you know, pull out a, do a quick, you know, in between the VTT sessions thing. Or if I can put out a blog post and then have something to talk about for a few days with people. I always think that's cool. And I've met a lot of cool people. You know, I have to say, like, as crappy as the Internet, it gets a bad rap. And some of that's in, uh, for good reason, because you know, the Internet is sort of like the red light district. Uh, just it's just one giant red light district. It's like a I don't even know if that's true. It's, it just seems to have a lot of bad sections. Like, what are the bad neighborhoods? You know, what are the good I think neighborhoods? There's, there's just so much an anonymity. And, and I think VTTs have that, too. Right. I mean, yeah, you they join can. a random game. You can say and do anything you want. It's not that's anybody's going to punch you in your nose. No, no. It gives um, that chaotic stupid guy. disconnect. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that chaotic, stupid guy can do whatever he wants. He can just, you know, again, with VTT, if somebody's really getting out of hand, you can generally boot them. But um, yeah, it doesn't stop an asshole from joining your game. Nothing will. I've had assholes come to my house, you know, and I've had to feel like. You know, you end it with somebody in real life, that's a whole lot harder. Yeah, I agree. You know, you have to look them in the eye and say, it's, you know, it's you, it's not me, you know? I mean, I've considered ending it with you a half a dozen times and just never got to pull the the trigger. I totally, I would not blame anybody. (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame anybody, you know? I I, Sometimes I don't want to get up and hang out with myself. You know, I don't have a choice. I'm stuck with me. So, but yeah, I mean, the VTT, uh, yeah, you can be more anonymous. The internet makes you more anonymous. I don't know that the 10 guys or the 15 guys who have been listening to my podcast without another person are going to find one with another person all that interesting. I, You know, I want to cover some of the deeper features of Fantasy Grounds. I mean, that's what we know. We're like experts. In fantasy grounds, I, I, I we are not um, game devs. I right. think we are like expert users. You know, if someone asked me, or at least like very good users, maybe there's better users, but that's kind of my life. Um, what you're being an expert user? Yeah, I'm not really deep into anything. I'm just kind of a good user of many different things. Well, that's important too because there's new people coming to it, and they need to be introduced to how to do it. Um, Fancy Grounds just is built on such a beautiful, on top of such a beautiful user interface. And that is the one thing that nobody else, I think, offers is that, um, you know, you can customize it in a lot of different ways. You can make that game really look and feel like your game. And the modules, the story module, the item module, the, the you know, the party sheet, the combat tracker module, the chat box, forgetting all the extensions that you can add into games. Um, people often ask, you know, I see them asking online, like, I don't understand. Is it worth it? It's a lot of money. If you're a 5e player, Fantasy Grounds oh, is, yeah, is an investment. a ton of cash. Yeah. What is it, like $150 all in or something? It, what is- For the books. And then, you know, you got to get the ultimate license, right? Because you're so, going to have a bunch of people that don't want to spend for it. Right. That's like 99 bucks. Yeah. So 
when all said and done, you could be 250 deep. Pretty easy. Pretty That's quickly. before you before you pick up Storm King's Thunder or one of the okay. modules to run. Okay. You know? So um, it's not a small investment. Now I will say that it's not that been that big investment for me because I bought a full license many years ago. All the guys I generally play with have a full license or have yep. some kind of licensing. And you don't play 5e. And I don't play 5e. That's exactly it. I don't yeah. run and I don't play in 5e games. And so the guys who are going to be looking for a first edition AD&D game, which is absolutely available. It is a rule set um, built by Celestian uh, and in the forums. And uh, he's coded the whole thing on top of the 5e rule set, which means you get all of the nice features of that rule set, but you can play with one Ian. He has added a bunch of the SRD material. So as long as you don't mind opening up a PDF of the DMG and the player's handbook to have handy in case you need it, um, there is a ton of material already ready. Spells, monsters, um, you know, classes are built in. All the to hit works great. You can choose ascending or descending. In fact, that AD&D rule set really is for both first and second edition. There is um, like a little piece of software that you can add in for first edition stuff that sort of tweaks it for that. Otherwise, you just run it as if it were second. If you want to run second edition, you just run it straight second edition. And I don't, I have all homegrown world stuff and all homegrown everything with it. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> so um, it's, it's awesome. The dice are like real, you know, 3D dice that, you mm -hmm. know, say what you want about how stupid that is or, you know, how childish it is that there's a graphic representation of the dice or whatever. It's great. It's freaking sure. great. I mean, it's so much nicer to look at dice being rolled and picking up something even virtually and spinning it. I, I can't say enough how important that feature has been in that software success with me. And I also, like I talked about in my last blog post, I use the whole system as a way to build my world. Right, because that's really, it, that can be a very strong component of yeah. FG. Yeah, I mean, people are always looking, I think, for a digital way to build their world, to build their campaign setting. And really, I have not found a better way than Fantasy Grounds, really. And I've tried a couple of the online ways and a couple of just, you know, using Dropbox or using Google Docs or whatever. Yeah, it sure sure beats the three ring binder. That's four inches mm -hmm. thick. Mm -hmm. And everything's linkable. Um, and I don't even want to get into the extensions. I mean, there's community built extensions that allow you to add things like locations and organizations that um, I, I can't give that extension of praise or the creator, the developer, that extension of praise. It is awesome. And I just build things in there and then I can drag them and drop them throughout my campaign as needed. Uh, and, and like I talked about in my last podcast, I do grow my world like very organically, which, uh, on my list blog post, or I don't, I don't even know where I'm putting information now, but, um, somewhere I was talking about world. I think it was maybe my blog where I was talking about just general creation. Do you still build campaign settings? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Do you have one that you, I've like, tried it a couple of different ways. Uh, I've got one right now that I'm using in my tabletop session that I, I actually created 
the world and what was happening in it. And then I just plop the characters into the story somewhere. Right. And, you know, things are happening that they don't know are happening. Right. And you love story. You're much I more, you're much story. more of a story guy than I am. Not that I don't love stories, but I think you love story style gaming. Yeah. So much so I that I, I have a tendency to railroad sometimes and, and yeah. I have to watch myself. Yeah. Um, it's a style. Yeah, it's not necessarily the most fun style for the players, depending on the group. People are fine with being railroaded if they have no clue you're doing it. Right, which is hard. You know, that's the hard it, part. It's difficult. Yeah. You tip your hand. I, you know, I think I can be honest with you. I've known you long enough to tell, be able to tell you that you tip your hand uh, a lot and way too early. Oh, absolutely. When you're DMing. And, uh, whereas Dennis, by the way, when he DMs, he DMs like he plays, you don't have a clue what's going on. (laughs) Anything can change at any moment. And while I definitely feel like he has become more of a story gamer, the story is all in his head. And sometimes it's so in his head that never gets to us. Right. Um, I I would say you're probably the, uh, the, uh, the right temperature porridge, right? Oh, I, mean, I know. That's very kind of you. A little bit too story driven. Dennis is a little bit, you know, not nearly as. I mean, he's story driven, but he's not. Well, he's chaotic as a, <laughs> as a person. So everything runs that way. I, I don't know. I I do try to find balance. I think that for a long time, like many people, I still had a tendency to try to keep my players alive. And I could tell you that playing BX recently has cured me. Yeah, you can't do that in BX. Mm-mm. So I think when we're playing AD&D moving forward, um, I think I'm going to be doing a lot less manipulation, like supply side, and try to just let things happen. And I'm pretty sure that what's going to end up happening is you guys are going to die. Um, oh, sure. I mean, in this, this 5e game that I'm playing, I, I could have TPK'd. Sure. Not because not because I built the encounter incorrectly, but because they just did stupid things. Yeah. Well, there's that, but you know they still get like 47 death saves or whatever 5e lets you have. Right. Right. You know. <laughs> Again, that's its own show. Why Howard hates hates 5e. 5e. He hates it. He doesn't like it at all. Just don't ask him to play. Don't even ask him. Don't. Um. Yeah, so uh, Fantasy Grounds, I think like a lot of the guys that I play Roll20 with, they're interested in it, but I think that the the money, getting back to the money, it's a big barrier for entry. You know, they just... They... But some in some cases, I think that that's also a positive because then you know the person's serious about gaming. Well, there is some, yeah. Well, Steam has, you know, as far as buying the application, Steam has... Uh, a subscription that you can buy for like 10 bucks a month, which is great. But the thing is, you're not going to buy a $10 subscription and then spend $150 on books. You might buy a $10 subscription and try out uh, the skeleton of 5e and just so you can play in the UI. Yeah, and my advice, the, the free fantasy grounds off their website. Yeah, and my advice, exactly, license. exactly. My advice ultimately is of course, like anything, um, pick it up and play with it, you know, even for 10 bucks before you invest huge money in the system. But I can tell you that if you're trying to play one E or, or two, uh, you know, one E, yeah, 
first edition or second edition and or castles and crusades or there is i believe a pretty decent mostly well mostly built out dcc that's getting um a lot of work done. I think there's a Warhammer fantasy rule set. These are all free rule sets. And so they're community driven and uh, I'm not trying to shill. I make not a dime from fantasy grounds for talking about them. But uh, if you, if you're serious and a couple of your buddies are serious and you know, everybody just spends the 40 bucks to get the full license. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's less worth than it. A new video game. Yeah. For yeah, absolutely. There's no end. You can play it forever. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, again, it's constantly being improved upon. I know they're working on um, field of view with, uh, you know, lighting and, and other goodness coming up in, in later versions. So, but a lot of the guys that I listen to in Anchorcasts and a lot of the people that I interact with are OSR guys. And there are more and more OSR rule sets um, becoming available that way. And there's a generic rule set that I think could be tweaked for really any purpose, if you have a mind to do it in the same way that you pick up roll 20 and it's kind of a blank slate and you just play in it. So I think it can be utilized that way. I, I have not, I, I like having rule sets available to me, but uh, in the sense of like specific rule set, specific sets, um, whether it was castles and crusades in the beginning, which we played a ton of, um, or AD and D first edition, now. Yeah, I mean, we did Castles and Crusades almost exclusively for about the first four years. At least. Yes. Absolutely. No, more than that. More than that, I think. Uh, uh, that's not true. I guess we had some side jaunts down some weird streets, like Riches had a Mutants. What yeah. was it? Mastermind, Mutants and Masterminds game. Yeah, he did a superhero one too, didn't he? Mutants. Wasn't that Mutants and Masterminds? Was that Mutants? Where I was like the sniper guy that yeah that yeah that's what that like was seven and it, times and didn't do yeah. any damage no it was a ridiculous system but um i don't know that we were playing it right number one and number two all superhero systems are i think i haven't played a superhero system. i used to play villains vigilantes and a little bit of champions back in the day so um i loved v and v but i always thought like superhero role-playing was really a lot of nonsense because it was impossible just simulate that with dice. Right. You know, I could take 37 D6 worth of damage before I even feel a hit point, you know, or it's ridiculous stuff. We can get into like old game systems we used to play that. That's That would be a fun conversation. That would be an interesting... Yeah, I'd like to compare notes with you on uh, what game systems you've played and where we connect and where we, where we deviate. Because I played a lot of games... I feel like I have played a lot of games, a lot of I weird games. Probably haven't played as many as you, but I do always come back to. Uh oh, you broke up. You always come back to what is it? Fantasy, fantasy role playing. Oh yeah, yeah. Although I will say, Dennis and I had some of the best games ever playing Cyberpunk 2020. I think we both have a deep, deep love of all things cyberpunky. You know. I don't know if it's just our age or the literature that we were into or I don't know, you know, that, that there's something about those character classes that I don't know. They're just awesome. The fixer, Joe boy, the street samurai, the net runner. Oh, love that stuff. But, um, 
So what are we going to call this mess? I don't know. I think, um, I don't want to stamp my freaking Goblin Stompcast name all over everything, but it already sort of like exists. Do you think this, like, and I still maybe will do in between like 10 minute or 12 minute or whatever little rants or discussions. So I just want to slide it into the channel, I think, for now, instead of give it, we're not going to give it its own anchor cast. I've already got like four or five podcasts up. Oh, God, no, don't. Yeah, don't do that. So that don't seems, I mean, I guess if people have an interest in hearing us talk about more crap, then, um, you know, I think we tried to stay pretty focused tonight on who we were and, and, and on virtual tabletops specifically and how we game that way and I, I you know the nice thing about AnchorCast is we can get call in questions or call in comments and drop them into the next podcast which hopefully we'll get and we'll do and I have gotten them on other podcasts from um, guys like Colin from the Snake Pit and uh, and Larry from Follow Me or Die and Jason from A Million Podcasts and uh, other guys so I, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting people's names but um, so I, it needs like a subtitle. It need, we need a subtitle. What should that be? Or a subtitle? Like, go, like if we're calling it like Goblin Stomper Cast colon the the two inning. I don't know the both of us inning. <laughs> two inning. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I need. I, I'm having a hard time coming up with something on the spot. I feel pressure. I feel pressure. Come well, we don't something. have to come up with it on the spot. No. It'll be, you know what? Here's what'll happen when we put it out. It'll have a title. How's that? Perfect. And yeah. I'll share it with all three of my social G, media friends. Your G plus people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think I've got, I think I've got five right now. Yeah, that's nah, all right. You know what? I'll, it'll, either this is going to suck. Like either people are going to get back to us and say, but that was a terrible hour of my life that I wasted on you guys. Or um, well, if they got through an hour, I'm pretty happy. Oh, we're at an hour and eight minutes. We could keep... Oh, if they got through an hour? Yeah, oh, please. Hour. Yeah, I don't expect anybody to get to the fun part of this podcast here at the end. <laughs> no way. No freaking way. I don't know that... I don't know when, the, when I listen to it again, I'll get to this part. I may bail at like 45. Oh, I can guarantee I'm not going to listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell needs to hear this garbage again? Right. I just said it. I don't need to listen to That's it. That's right. I know what the hell I said. Don't ask me to listen to it. Um... All right, so this is enough craziness for this week. I'll, I'll get with you on a name. We'll we'll figure out a name because I'm going to push it out tomorrow on Thursday if we can, and and maybe Wednesday into Thursday will be our, like our slot for this. Um, if you guys did make it this far and you like it, you should say something. Yeah, cause, you let know, us know. Yeah, so we notice. Get on here and be stupid again. Um, all right, I'm gonna go uh, shower up. That's exciting to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, go end that's... my day. Definitely something it's, you should hang out. Yeah, with. it's it's late. Yeah. It's late. I got to get ready for bed because I got to get up and pawn stuff again tomorrow. Nice. I got to go make sausages. You got to go make the meats. That's right. Gotta go make the sausages. RB says they have the meat, but they don't have anything. They got nothing. No. No. Wendy's has been asking where's the beef for a long time. Yeah, well, it's at, it's at your factory. That's where it is. Where I'm expecting wow. a delivery anytime. I'm expecting. Hey, you know what? I'm always expecting for the meat truck to pull I'll, up. I'll, I'll pack something up and send <laughs> it away. It never goes to waste. I could tell hey, you that. Did you just to diverge a little bit? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll throw critical role some love. Did you watch? You, you're not much of a. Critical.
No, I am. I am the anti-fan of Critical Role. I think it's it's yeah. It's, so it's for those listeners, for all twelve of you that are may possibly be Critical Role fans, it's one ten. Episode... It's one ten in. I don't know that anybody's listening, but go ahead. Okay. Well, if they are, <laughs> the episode where Travis is uh, eating the bacon jerky, uh, and that was me. I sent him the box. That's your claim to fame. You sent a that's guy. That's my claim to fame. You yep. sent a guy your meat. Travis Willingham ate bacon jerky on Critical Role. I don't think you should say it like that. You should say that that guy, what's his name? Travis Willingham. Tra- so Travis Willingham ate your meat on Critical Role. Is that what happened? <laughs> That's what happened. That's what you said. Just Critical happened. Role's got a lot of fans. We're going to get crucified. I don't that. care. Nobody's going to listen to it 110 in, so nah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. If a Critical Role fan has hung this long to listen to two 50-year-old essentially dudes talk about VTTs and the OSR... And we now, and now we crapped on their favorite critical role player by telling him, telling that person that you know he, that guy ate your meat on critical role. Uh, then fine, let's we, we we can take the beating. <laughs> we can take it. We can take it. And we can give it out. That's what we are. We're hardcore. All right, so I'm gonna uh, stop this recording. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. If you have, don't forget to hit me up at goblinstomper.blogspot.com. You can reach Darren just by um, getting in touch with me because I don't think there's any yeah. other way to reach out to him. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I'll put a link to your G Plus profile on the website when we put this up. So if people want There's a lot of exciting content there. I think I've got four posts over the last five years. You might get a friend. You don't know. This is how oh, you on. and I met. This is how you and I met. You don't know. That's true. You don't know. All right, brother. I will, uh, I'll talk to you before next week, but at this point, Peace out. Enjoy the rest of your meet week. Later. Thanks for the invite, man. All right, man. Later.